Before. I don't think we're as different as we might think we are than the teenager or the mm. five-year-old. I, no. I think I think people think, you know, this idea of growing up. And you have uh, to be a certain. I'm sure we change as we go through our lives, but I think I'm the same person. Like I don't feel mm. like in my old man's adult body, I still feel like that is weird Like because I'm mm. still that young person that totally I Totally the same. Yeah. yeah. In fact, yeah, that just because we're a certain age doesn't mean we don't remember being 10 or 20 or whatever. No. That, that person is still there. And I think that's what we love about this job is that it's made us go back again and, and, and yeah, be in touch with that young person. I think about that person more now and what she felt like and mm. how, how sensitive you are to the world at mm. that time and how everything's that, that first experience is just like so, mm. prof- you know, like you're so like this nerve endings mm. around and your you're body. you're vulnerable. Real People is produced by Square Holes, an agency conducting and publishing customised explorative research on key consumer markets, customers and population segments. Squareholes also provides associated consulting and support to ignite positive business and social behaviour change. Visit squareholes.com for more. Radio, hello there. My name is Jason Dunstone and welcome to Real People, where we interview average and not-so-average people, academics, researchers and leading thinkers to help us better understand what real people believe and how they behave. Today we are joined by Tina Munn and Jeff Cobran to discuss all things not growing up boring, innovation, why the arts matters so much to children and adults, and a whole lot more. Tina and Jeff recently joined Patch Theatre as producer and artistic director. I've been a director on the board of Patch Theatre for 10 years, so this interview is particularly close to my heart and passion. Patch Theatre has been creating high-quality theatre for four- to eight-year-olds since 1972, and in that time has presented to around 2 million children and their parents in Australia and across the world, including US, Canada, Singapore, Korea, Japan, China, Hong Kong and New Zealand. Patch is very much motivated by the transformational power of curiosity and imagination in our children, which hopefully remains into adulthood. We go on a fabulous journey into what Tina and Jeff were like as children to some tips and tricks to keep the childlike mind alive well into adulthood. Let's not waste a moment. On with the show. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay now, from the beginning... Thank you so much for, for joining us today, uh, Tina and uh, Jeff, or Jeff and Tina. I'm going to do this, start. I'm quite excited about this one, and we'll kind of go through a whole lot of different different things. This is our first double header we've we've done, so we're going to see Ooh. how that goes. I've kind of had <laughs> some thoughts this morning of the way to kind of split it. I thought I'd roll spin a wheel and say who goes first, but we'll, <laughs> I'm going to start off with Tina. What were you like as a young girl, Tina? And because you're involved in Patch now, and they're targeted at four to eight year olds, what were you like somewhere between four and eight? Oh, look, this is this is an interesting question because I was actually quite a shy little thing to start with, which is uh, I was sort of bright and top of the class and a bit quiet about it. And then I discovered um, sport and um, I just found out that if you had a sense of humour and got people laughing with you rather than at you, um, that became my strengths. But uh, 
Um, and always interested in, I was an absolute bookworm, absolute, had a great, you know, fondness for imagination and curiosity. So funnily, I can see where my paths led me into the arts all this time later. Yeah. Were you, were you curious? Were you, like, were you, were you studious? Were you curious? All of that. I loved school. I loved yeah. books. I loved learning. I loved, I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, and I was the book, the first bookworm in the family. Um, I read any book I could get my hand on um, and was just always head in a book. And yeah. they why, were always why, why did you like reading? What, what did you get out of reading? I think because it took me into different worlds and I, I loved that, um, using my imagination and I was very curious about the world. I, was, I loved stories. Um, they were just, you know, took me to another place and I just loved going into that world Um the same way I loved film, I loved... Uh, and I didn't see my first play until I was 17 and then I really fell in love. Yeah. And then I took myself off to uh, the 82 Festival. Yeah. So why did you go to that first play? Who took you to that? Do you know, it was... I was working with a friend who was who had been more exposed to theatre. Oh, no, th- yes, that's right. And it was just... No, it was the end of... It was a, a, an excursion at the end of our high school. That's right. And that was the first time that my high school, because very western suburbs, decided to take everyone to a play. Yeah. And it was the summer of the 17th doll, and I just thought, my God, that was amazing. Yeah. So when I was a little older and had the chance to go see something, I remembered that experience. So Did I spoke... your fellow students all like it? Was it a discussion on the way back that you... Yes, it was, because it was something none of us had been exposed to before. Mm. Um, so that was... So I suppose that curiosity in reading... I loved drawing... So there was a real art bent, I suppose, right from the beginning. But I loved drawing and books and then live theatre was something all all together. And I must admit, when I started working in the industry, I knew I was in love and I knew I I was home. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt. And did you go, did you study in the arts or did you just... I was one of, probably um, came through, like a lot of us in the arts, in a very different way. I started as, uh, I'd worked for lawyers and accountants as as a secretary and I went and worked at the Adelaide Festival for the artistic director and the artistic team. And I started there and then just kept putting my hand up, can I try that, can yeah. I try that, and had wonderful mentors along the way um, until I got into managing companies and producing and touring. And I just can't – I pinch myself. I can't quite believe I'm where I am now yeah. and having such a wonderful time. But it's that, yeah, just, just roles and you follow that path and my the opportunities inst- put in front of you, don't you, really? Yeah, and my instinct – it was really strong and this was the right thing for me and I um, I was following a passion. It was very obvious that this is the world that I love to be in because I had all those books and stories and phys- theatre and music and dance that was just new doors that opened up for me and it's made a bigger world for me, which I just love. Yeah, that's excellent. And, yeah. and you've, you've stayed within it. So yeah, and to be able to Does that mean just... you're trapped within it or you've stayed within uh, it with a passion? Well, I've tried to step out a couple of times and I was never happy, so yeah. I always came back. Um, and I suppose with Jeff, we feel the same that, you know, to give someone young that experience and that joy and curiosity and spark their imagination is such an exciting but a privilege to be able to do. And, you know, for the way it influenced my life and I've seen it influence other children's lives is, and adults too, it's it can be the most rewarding and most wonderful thing that you can do. Mm, that's excellent. Mm. Jeff, what about yourself? What were you like as a, a somewhere kid. between four and eight? Yeah, I, I've lived in the country and 
It was a very analogue world, like completely analogue. I didn't have a TV till I was nine. And I spent a lot of time on my own, but I was never lonely. I was alone, but not lonely. It was, I just... Did you have siblings or...? Yes, but didn't get... I had a, a sister two years older who I didn't get on with at all. <laughs> <laughs> I never played with her really much. And I would just... I would build in endless cubby houses. I made a nine-room underground cubby. Like, <laughs> it actually got in the newspaper. Is that right? And I would just work away on my own and play and, and role-play. I would be a character. And my grandma, a beautiful grandma who was very literary, and um, she would take me to the theatre. Yeah. And I would see, you know, from Rus- Russian ballet to... She could go to the Adelaide Festival every two years, and but in, she would take me from the country into Melbourne to see shows. And the wonder of seeing theatre was insane. Where in the country did she live? I, I lived in. It was it was sort of a hobby farm. It wasn't a full country. It was uh, between Geelong and Ocean Grove on the peninsula. There. Yeah, okay. But you know, no, the school I went to had a hundred kids, and we. So what was that like having a, such a small school? Good and not so good. Yeah, no, I really I loved it. It was great. I mean, you know, country kids can be pretty tough. <laughs> kids can be pretty tough, tough you know. Yeah. And I was a little tiny kid. I was the runt of the school sort of thing. And yeah, you, but but it was a it was a really wonderful experience being in the country. And, mm. and I played with Lego like endlessly. And it wasn't the Lego of today. It was just bricks. There was no <laughs> fancy mm. bits, you know. <laughs> and it it. It's my design school training. That's where I learnt about how things work and yeah. how you make things and building endless cubbies and flying foxes and all the things that I've built in the country are what gives me the confidence to design because most of my life has been as a theatre designer. So being using all those skills. And yeah, that's right. And and, and that uh, clearly that, that almost building and, and imagination that's been in you since you were... Little. Yeah, 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 and yeah. books are a big part of mm. my childhood, especially having no TV. So, so where did books fit with you in your childhood? Yeah, I mean, I read and I I read illegally under the be- covers with the torch. <laughs> you know, like I was me too. <laughs> and I think that was part of never feeling a never feeling lonely was mm. that I always had, and I still do in my pocket on my iPhone. Tina and or, I both, both do this. I have books. about ten books, and I don't feel I don't feel very confident to go anywhere unless I've got them (laughs) and they're all on there and I read like if I'm in a doctor's if you're in a waiting room anywhere I'm just constantly in that world Mm -hmm. and I mostly read science science fiction now so I love being transported to those other worlds and that's the inspiration that's why I do what I do because I want to transport people to places of wonder and as a like a lot of parents find it hard to get their children to read and it almost gets yeah. sometimes to the point yeah. where the kids have been asked to read so much and mm. they'll go, well, you're asking me so much, I'm going to rebel against that, I'm just not going to read. So what, 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 did, what did you get out of reading? We've had a couple of our interviews that have talked about how much they loved reading about. I think Stuart talked about sort of it, he was from India and he talked about they had a box. <laughs> there was their library in, in the town and, um, and that was just his access to the world and to mm. stories and he loved the Hardy Boys and all those sort of bits there. Mm. What, what about you, you guys? What, 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 why did you love reading? Oh, look, 
and it's funny you should say science fiction because I went mad for that at mm, high school. I was I, I won some read, so some hot something, and I just spent it all on. Um, I did the same. I got given by the school a hundred dollars to buy library to buy science fiction books for the school library. Oh wow! Which was a lot of money. Yeah, because um, you know, Day of the Triffids and you John know, Wyndham. John Wyndham. I yeah, read all of all his, of and it was just because that thing. It Blew was my that. Mind. Yeah, I love to get transported somewhere, mm. and I love that. I love the was, ambition of it. Yeah, like the the, and the, ex- the, I, the new ideas and the, yeah. And I think it's because you're probably the same that I'm very good at suspending disbelief. Yeah, yeah. So I can completely Let get in that get world, into that world, yeah. and be. And I, I believe those worlds are all possible. Yeah. <laughs> but you so very just, much under the. I'm imagining you're under the covers, Jeff, sort of with your head there under the torch. But yeah, but very much feeling like you're absorbed within that book. So it's totally. not reading. It's not the chore of reading. It's actually the immersiveness of actually going within those pages. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And having some, as a young young child, having some toys, which still kids still have, that were very like Scotty and Fluff were my toys, and they were my friends, you know, and they they would play with me. I would take them on my during the day, and they would be part of what I was doing. And so, you know, you you were. I was also very good at making believe their personalities. Yeah, their personalities. Their whole Teddy and my walking doll and my other toys had all specific. Characters and personality traits, which I'd sort of imbued in them, but, you know. So and and we I believe them, and I'd have tea parties with them. Yeah, you were the director, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and, and your grandmother, you said, introduced you to the arts. Yeah. So you you yeah. go in to see. You said, was it? Uh, what, and the rest what? of my family were not super into my no, my dad was, but in, you know, not in the sort of stuff I really loved. And the visual stuff she'd take me to would just I loved all the. The dance she took me to. So what, things like dance, what, were, what were the sorts of probably dance, dance was the thing that I was most. You know, I I wasn't. You would never talk it. We'd never tell your friends you're interested in dance. <laughs> but but the, they were the shows that I remember that she took me to. That just like and she took me to Philip Jonty really early. Oh wow! I was only about six or seven. Yeah, and it would have been one of their earlier shows. It was just like the I toured him. And the, yeah, because they're still times. going. I know. Yeah. I know. When they used to just do puppet things. Yeah, was, yeah. Mm. And then they did all the other. It, it is an, an interesting point you made. We we did um, some work for the state opera. I think it was the end of last year, start of this year, and we had some focus groups and there was a guy, he would have been in his mid-twenties now, very well-dressed, sort of quite um, well-presented sort of young guy, but his grandmother introduced him to the opera and now he goes by himself and he does. He says, I don't know if I take my friends to the opera, yeah. they won't get it or they'll just ruin the experience for me, so I'll just bloody go myself and I'll just be immersed into it. And, you, and if you saw him going down the street, you go, well, he doesn't look like no, a, an opera guy, but his, his yeah. grandmother um, yeah, introduced amazing. him and a lot of other people sort of the same. But it's... it's both of you kind of just touched on that that seed that kind of comes from going of introducing to the arts, and there's there's almost something that pops off, pops in your brain, and, mm. and goes, "This is great!" Like a little kind of part of your brain that sort of like um, ignites or flares up, kind of going, "Wow, I like this." Mm, and I, th- I think we're all. I think a lot of people in the arts are able to suspend disbelief and be willing to to give that up very easily. Whereas there's other people in the world I meet who are much more closed and they can't they think it's childish to entertain that the things that happen on stage and in a book are are real yeah Mm. yeah some way 
uh, and you're and we'll, we'll, we'll dig into this as we go through the interview. But you're both collaborators um, with 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 Patch Theatre now. We'll kind of do in an introduction to this. We'll, we would have um, gone through and ex- explained that role. And we'll, we'll come back to that in a moment. One, but one of the lines that I'm not sure if Patch still uses it, but they did when I was first involved, sort of ten ten or so years ago. Of um, I think Pablo Picasso said, "Every every child's an artist. Mm. The challenge mm. is to keep them so." And I've seen little kind of different ways of phrasing that, but. And you've t- touched on sort of many people in the arts kind of keep that disbelief and, and maintain that. Where do you th- where do you sense that 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 the artist in the child gets lost? I've, do you have I, any thoughts I on that? Lost Big mine. question. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, thought- we we know we live in a little bubble of of like minded people in the arts, and we are all people who have hung on to that mm, inner I child, think so. I think, yeah. and that artist, and. But I do see other people who, yeah, they they think a lot of the way that that's childish mm-hmm. and that that therefore is something bad about that. I mean, if anyone tells me I'm childish, I'm flattered. You know? <laughs> I also think too that if... I mean, you're in you, touch you, with your well, emotions. Yeah, you? but your life is richer. If yeah. you're, and, you're, and you have the rest. It touches if your imagination and your curiosity is still there and you have a joy and an openness... That that reaches through to the rest of your life. Mm. You yeah, but, better... if you, but if yeah, if you don't have a grandmother or someone who shows you, or a librarian or a teacher who inspires you, and everyone around you is telling you to grow up, yeah. Well, I didn't stop have playing it... with toys. Mm. Yeah. Don't you know? I would. I wasn't. I played with Lego until I was thirteen. I think you know now. Kids stop playing with that at mm. seven or eight because it's too. Well, we've got a box yeah. downstairs in the office. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't get played with that much. But yeah. <laughs> well, I, I felt it not. You know, my first play at 17 at school. Yeah. And I always thought, what a shame. I wish I'd been exposed earlier. Yes. But I had the books and I had yeah, film yeah, yeah. So they and music and dance, and I did a bit of dancing. So I suppose I had my outlet that way. But yeah. it's interesting that as soon as I got the touch with theatre, performing arts was the one that really, mm-hmm. that was the one that dragged my heart in. Well, it's a play. You're, you're invited to play in the way... You, you, I watch little um, kids like three and four year olds. They are really just making theatre on mm. the like. Mm. I had a little epiphany in it. I was in a rehearsal room. We were a whole lot of you know really amazing artists. We were all making art together. We were making a big theatre piece. We were devising it. We thought we were so clever. And someone had brought their three year old son in. He was sitting up the back corner, and he just had two sticks. And I, I'd been watching all that was happening in the room. And then I go over and watch what he's doing. He is making the most amazing piece of theatre with two sticks. <laughs> Hello, I'm. He had this whole story going that was really weird and profound, and I was wow. like, right there. Like, <laughs> does, does <coughs> do you think for a lot of children or adults that they feel like the permission gets removed mm. to be? creative and having that imagination. I, I, I guess a lot of the work we do or even just the observation, going, there's so much pressure nowadays for people working in organisations to be innovative and always change and always gets to the point of change fatigue. But mm-hmm. at the same time, they're almost told to be adults but they can't be childlike. And where do you think it... Where does where do you think it comes? And I guess even some of the work we've done in the arts, have, it, it almost feels like as a child there would be an engagement, and you might have a dis, you might disagree, but I kind of get that sense that in the twenties or thirties um, age groups, for a lot of people, they disappear from the arts, and probably sometimes mm-hmm. don't even come back until they're True. in their late forties, fifties, sixties, and so there's some art forms that it's very much skewed older. Mm-hmm. So almost they they give themselves permission when they're older, they give themselves permission when they're younger, but that middle bit they they lose that. Maybe it's not cool. 
maybe it's not cool. Yeah. Mm. Well, maybe know. they're busy having families and mm. priorities Being, are different. Well, you know, perhaps. they think they have to grow up and be adults. And I think that's it. Be responsible and all mm. of those things don't go with being a child in wonder, I suppose. Yeah, but, okay. But, but if I think they that, shared if, that with their families, it would yeah, be so great. I think it's much worse now. It's much harder. Our generation sort of the last of the analogue generation and we understood how things worked and and you no know, one understands how an iPhone works or, you know, that mm-hmm. they don't have the wonder of pulling things apart and understanding the world. They just, everything is told to them and information is free. Information, you know, for me to... to um, Find something out. I had to get on the bus, go to the library, find the book, open the you know, yeah. and that is done within half a second now. That, That's right. So information. But the process of digging deeper, you had to actually go to that effort. But maybe yeah. it and more, along the more, way, more you stuff. might find yeah. other things, and and there was a lot more work and in investment in an idea. Yeah. Whereas now, ideas are, and yeah, my the other big thing is risk of people being risk averse because we train children now to be. Risk averse, and and especially young adults, they're they're not encouraged to take risk creatively. Yeah, can you explain that? What do you, what do you mean with it? Well, because they're they're bright, we're we're teaching them to look for all the things that might go wrong. Risk management is is a an industry you know didn't exist when I was young. So mm. people people's brains are being taught to. Um, Put dead ends to, to ideas because they're they're looking always going oh if I do that that might fall off and someone might trip on that you know or whereas you know I go what's going to happen when I drop that that might be amazing and it might make this and this all the all the um you know I sort of see an idea like a tree you know there's all these possibilities and all those possibilities now the young people I work with who come into theatre now they're all going you can't do that that you can't make a light do that or you can't do that with a set because if someone tripped over that they'd like their their brains are always thinking about Mm. all of the Mm. things that could go wrong whereas my brain's thinking about all the possibilities Mm. because that was the way i was trained and but 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 i'm going to say rhetoric but the, the the conversation out there often is that we're wanting that brain of thinking about things differently but then the Forces that are often more powerful, uh, whether whether it's in government or corporate, are mm. actually saying take the risk out. We don't like mm. in our world. It's like procurement or it's that, processes that or everything's saying take it out. So, like we've we've written a couple of articles and a couple of the, the um, interviews we've had about it. We're so fearful of robots. We don't need to fear the robots. We need to fear the people acting like robots, yeah. and they've been forced more and more to be like that. I think so, I think it's winning the battle at the moment. The whole scary. the whole um, worry and procurement and risk management and that is dominating the training mm-hmm. of people. When I went to training institution, they would just put us in a room and they'd lock us in there for the morning, a whole lot of design students, and they would there'd be seven blocks of polystyrene the size of fridges, some knives and some gaffer tape, and they would say, um, little red riding hood in the style of Liechtenstein <laughs> through the door. Yeah. And we would just be left for hours to just make what was in the room into something yeah. whereas now they're they spend they don't there's not that open-ended it's design things are like well if you're using the knives be careful about you know to make sure you retract the blades and mm. they train them in how to they've controlled the environment to the point where there's no possibilities left 
Yeah, okay. Creativity is really stifled. Yeah. A bit. And, mm. and it's shaped, shaped um, the future artists' minds. They're scary, thinking in very yeah, different ways. Okay. Mm. Um, it's terrible that I'm at 57 and I'm often the most radical person in a room. You go, that is ridiculous. Mm. One of those young kids should be like walking all over me and being radical and they're all being mm. telling me I can't do that because yeah. it's dangerous. I found some research recently. There's a lot more related perhaps to US politics, but it says something to the effect of if you're, you're not a socialist in your early 20s, there's a problem because you're expected to kind of be more world-minded. But if you're, if you're not a conservative by the time you're a certain age, <laughs> there's an issue because obviously you're meant to be kind of thinking about the world when you're younger and, and, and you will likely get more conservative as you get on as reality kind of hits. But I do worry sometimes that we're, we're sort of training young people to, to be more conservative mm. at, a, at a younger age. So, goodness, God help us when we get to, to be older when they've been conservative to start well, with. Maybe so. they rebel. Yeah, they would go the other kick way. Back. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> what, why does? I guess we, we can maybe introduce us to your your new roles at at Patch Theatre Company, and and then we can kind of move from there. I've got to. Yeah, yeah. But maybe Tina, you want to? Uh, I'm I'm the producer and general manager, so basically um, running the company. To as I say, uh, Jeff does the art, I do the business, um, but we cross over a lot, of course. Um, so it's a small company that does, you know, makes new work, tours, does Adelaide seasons nationally and internationally, regionally. This year we've played to 40, over 40,000 kids. Um, and uh, I came on board just recently because of Jeff and his ideas for some new work, which was so exciting, um, and I want to be a part of that. And um, that whole thing of I manage all that dreary paperwork and risk which has to be done, but the payoff is I get to be part of making some amazing new work and supporting Jeff and his vision for the company going forward. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you applied as yeah. a as a, team. As a duo, <laughs> as a dynamic duo, in, in, <laughs> to, 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 to the company mm-hmm. um, rather than as two separate no sort of roles being applied for no, separately. It was very much about coming in as a, as a team. Yeah, so. we, we've known each other for a long time and yeah. we've got the same sort of outlook and and when Jeff asked me it was just automatic really because I thought he's someone I really would love to work with and I know he'll make amazing work and it's what I want to be a part of again so so far so good <laughs> <laughs> and, and and your role Jeff what, what's your role so Patch? I'm the um, artistic director but um, I also bring design skill I come from a design background I haven't I haven't actually been an artistic director so this is all new and exciting for me. But I've worked in all areas of theatre and I've been a production manager, designer, lighting designer. Lighting Light is my sort of thing that fascinates me every day still and keeps... You know, Can you explain um, that a bit more? I know I've seen, like, in, you do a lot of work in the theatre and mm. the lights and I've seen your your sets, which are amazing. But, like, when you, you're fascinated with light, what, are, what does that mean? I have been... Since, you know, I think a lot, of, a lot of kids are, but it's just something that's stuck with me. I've always... It, there's a really primitive attraction to light that... So just, what does light do that... that um, what's great about light is I, no one quite understands it still, even the scientists. I went and met some light scientists and after about five minutes we couldn't talk to each other because they were so <laughs> smart. It was terrifying. 
I thought I knew something about light, but wow, it's incredible. And they if they don't still don't know if it's a wave or a particle, for example. And like, there's still so many things about it. And it, you know, every day I work with it, and it still does something that surprises me. And it's it's a fascinating, endlessly exciting in terms of the way tool. it like. The way, the, the way, the way, like the fact that this room's full of it, and we just are not even thinking about it. But if you put smoke in the air, you could see it, but mm-hmm. we can't see it. But I can, I can make it visible, and it's a design element that is in three D at all times. So it, it's, it's a you're actually thinking in the volume of the space all the time, yep. not thinking in flat surfaces. Yeah, okay. You're thinking about how it travels through. You know, I'm seeing where the light's travelling through the air all the time, and yeah. it's and you endlessly. can make it tell amazing stories. And it's, it's very do. emotional. It, it's very. It's if I get a, a state right, it's like a smell. You know how a smell can trigger a memory. If I get the right ambience of the light and the right colour, it's it's um, has a profound effect on an audience. It connects with them on a yeah. primitive level, oh. and colour in light is. Amazing. It's like the the colour primaries are different to the painted primaries. So, you know, it's red, green, blue. And it's just the... I I have a... You know, I've spent so many years working in colour and I I have a really real sensitivity to how colour is used and what exactly... How how much red to put in each scene, how much blue, Mm. how to mix those colours. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's endlessly fascinating. I actually asked the light scientists what the most... After we couldn't talk anymore, I said, what's the most amazing thing about light? And one of them said, the fact that every bit of light that's emitted goes all the way to the end of the universe. <gasps> it's like if you, let a, if you point a torch at the sky, that light travels all the oh, way to the end of the universe. Oh, that's wild. So incredible. Wow. <laughs> I noticed a couple of your state theatre sets, I believe they're yours, maybe they're yeah. not yours, but had water in them. Yes, is water, I, I love is, water. Is water connected with light, or Very is it? Much. Well, it's a beautiful reflector. Yeah, and it's another primitive element. Mm. Yeah, and you know, um, I made an exhibition recently that was little tiny. I had an experience in Bali where I saw fireflies for the first time. It was very profound for a lighting designer to be. <laughs> I was sitting looking over some rice paddies. There was a volcano in the background. It was so beautiful. I was on my own. And then all these tiny little things look like people smoking cigarettes in the fields and then the whole field filled with fireflies. Just And I was so overwhelmed. It was like lighting design heaven. <laughs> and so it took me two years, but I recreated the uh, with little tiny train lights from train sets. I've hung, hung them in a ceiling. They're all spinning around. I just turn them on occasionally, little tiny moments. You see all these little lines of light. And it really connects with an audience because there's something primitive about it. It's Mm. like probably the first bit of art, you know, the first maybe theatre and storytelling was an ember. You know when you're in a campfire and you get a stick and you wave it around at the end? That's been happening for, you know, Mm. millions of years. Fraternity. People doing that, making... That's the first animation. They take a pixel of light as an ember... And they move it so fast that it that's becomes right. a line. You know, that's animation. That's simple amusement of a sparkler is all. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And those primitive connections uh, still fascinate me. Yeah. But, yeah, so my job now is to use the wonder of light and create stories. I also worked for dance theatre companies for a long time and have done a lot of devising of work with a company called Force Majeure, particularly in Sydney. 
and we create non non narrative pieces so vignette work i suppose that adds up emotionally to something has a theme devised from the floor so using lots of influences from books and artists we get in a room there's task work questions are asked of the performers and the other people in the room and we all respond i might respond in light dancer might respond with movement an artist might do something else and and we we video all that and then we start to make a show out of all the little pieces that yeah, we've got okay. that adds up to something emotionally but not necessarily storyline. And I've discovered that children are the best audience for that because yeah, okay. uh, adults are always going, oh, well, it didn't go ABC, you know. <laughs> they, They're looking kids, for a linear path. Yeah, whereas right. kids, they, I can ask five kids what the show is about and they all have them, they'll all confidently have a very clear re- story about what it's about and it might be completely different to each other mm. and they they very happy they, they've got all the stories we don't need to give them more stories they completely will tell you what it's about it's very exciting mm. i love talking to them about mm. what they've just seen often it's way more profound we did a show called <coughs> emily loves to bounce we had a whole lot of balls in it and they all dropped from the roof and it's sort of we didn't really know what what that bit was. It was just fun. And then every a whole group of children have told us, no, that's Emily's babies. We're like, really? Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, remember, I know when I've, I've been involved in Power, I think I might have mentioned earlier, in, for about 10 years, and and um, our 14-year-old, so she was, would have been four. There we go. Well, she's almost 15 now. Um, and I remember sort of after we went to Emily Loves to Bounce, I think it might have been one of the, the first plays that mm. that she I saw or kind of the, when I first became involved on the board. And... Um, and I was trying to explain what it meant to her, and she mm. went, "Dad, you like yeah. <laughs> it was just nice that it was this." Yeah. And I think you could see in her mind she had a different yeah. interpretation well, of me. And I was trying to be so literal about the yeah, yeah, the story and the, and the creativity the... and the imagination. <laughs> and she's going, "Oh, Dad, just like let me just, just absorb relax. it." <laughs> <laughs> it's an abstract painting, man. Just let it wash over. <laughs> so I was the designer on those some of Patch's shows. So I've had connection with Patch before, but. Now I get to it gets to be my fault. So, so, so <laughs> what what drew you to Patch Theatre? What was the excitement other than wanting to perform to a good audience that is receptive? What? Yeah, um, the audience was the big pull. Like I'm so I had I had a five year old at the time, so I was seeing the world through their eyes mm. as you do when you have children. But in your current show. role, what, what's what's uh, drawn you to that current role? Well, yeah, I think it's time. I actually, <laughs> Dave Brown. He said, you've been whinging about theatre for a long time and how it should be done, so man up and have <laughs> take responsibility and do your own thing. And I went, yeah, it was very confronting. I went, yep, you're bloody right. I've, I've, you know, I spent, I'm pretty, you're pretty outspoken <laughs> and I, I'm often critical of other people's work and what they do and this is my chance to yeah. have a go. And Dave was a former, sort of a, a couple of years ago, sort of the... He, the been yeah, he was involved years. for a long time, yeah, yeah no, that's right. 20 years, so. And a very, you know, he is a very creative, um, open person and he's 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 a brilliant collaborator. Mm. So he's got his own company now, Paper Boats, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does beautiful work. 
So why, it, why does art? Sorry, Tina, you. Oh no, I was just going to say from from an industry's perspective, anyone who's known Jeff for this long, it it was just the perfect step, and I think it's been interesting the support and and people are excited by the idea because he's been steadily through his career has been lighting, set, devising, being much more involved in the whole creative process. I just think this was the next natural step for you. So, um, and I think all those skills that you've brought already will just come to fruition and, and because you've got the target audience clearly in your mind yeah, um, and you are a little five-year-old, I've discovered around the <laughs> office <laughs> and you've tapped into my five-year-old, um, yeah, so I, I think it's just a natural progression. So. And, you know, it's not something Tina and I, Take we both, away. we don't, Mm-mm. it's a privilege to it be making the first theatre experience for a child. Like, oh it's God, their yes. first connection with art. They're the... If we can give them an amazing experience, they'll they'll have that forever. Mm. They, they will love art and they will explore it and be the theatre. So those seeds of yeah, the, the, the love of the arts. Yeah. Moving forward. Whereas if we give them a Wiggles experience, then you know that's just colour and movement, or you know, is patronising, which a lot of children's theatre can be. Then that's not going to inspire them to mm. think that theatre's cool and something they want to be part of. Uh, um. Other than the fascination and just the, the way that young people absorb theatre experience, why why does theatre matter to young people? Four to eight, like this is where Patch the Patch focuses. Why, why does it matter? Well, because they they live in a digital world and they have a fourth wall, which is the bit of glass between them and the screens, and we don't have that, so we've got that all over. We're yeah. real. We can show them that. Well, they're not. It's it's not very empowering a screen. Mm. Like they can't do what the screen can do. Whereas when they're in a theatre with real people who are connecting to them through that without that fourth wall, which we're always trying to, it's there, but we're trying to break it. They believe they can do it, and you'll find after a theatre show, the kids will go out and try and do the things. Like they literally, if you take them to a circus show, on the grass out the front. There'll be fifty kids all trying to do somersaults, and mm. so they they have it empowers them to believe that they can have the world, have the beliefs and the power of the mm. people on stage. And often the performers that we use are people who are very, very real, who are childlike, so that they can see themselves in these performers and Almost encouraging them to play and think away from a screen, a screen off, away yeah. from it. A device or a yeah, yeah in, in the real world. Yeah. I mean, the devices are amazing, and the things that happen in there are amazing. But they're not real people, you know, because there's they. Just, whereas when they see real people do it, it's much more profound connection. Yeah. The other thing that Tina and it's been, you know, we have we have a dislike of bureaucracy together. <laughs> we share this lovely dislike of bureaucracy and, you know, we want to spend the arts money, which is very limited, where the audience can see it. Which sounds very simple, but it's very hard to do because... What does the, that mean? I, I... The, the reporting and the, you know, when you're federally and state-funded and the responsibility for money is... The paperwork has grown over my time in the arts. The it's, amount of money in the, in, that's given to the art is, is less 
and the reporting and paperwork and risk management and marketing and has grown and grown and grown. Mm. And in response, we've had to grow our admin staff. Everyone has. And that's meant less money for the artists. Yeah, okay. And we find that frustrating. So yeah, And the artisan is, is what people see. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, that's so, actually, we, you've got to remember, that's what we do. That's yeah, why we're there. why we're here, yeah. And also artists are very precious people and for us, like, to have, we, we want to try and... Give them a living. Give them a start. living. <laughs> like, most of them live on the smell of an oily rag. They, mm. None of them have full-time, rarely have full-time employment. And we, in the arts, in our positions do, and it's a privilege, and we want to try and make, get as much of the money so that it can be spent on the artists as well. Mm-hmm. And then my role is then to negotiate tours and then there's more work and we reach more children and we reach um, – so it's perpetual. So basically if we make great work, we then have something that we can employ more artists to continue working on and they can be exposed to – national and international festivals or art centres and, 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 and make a living out of it. It's mm. um, That's something I love to do because mm. it really does keep great artists in South Australia, which is hard. Mm. Um, you know, we're, there's only a few companies here that can offer employment. So being able to keep, you know, fabulous theatre people, mm. um, performers, just to have a basic living here mm. is, you know, really something I feel strongly about too. Yeah. And as well as reaching out, you know, and, more and important audience. Yeah, making your main KPI <coughs> make the best show you can. Yeah. yeah. Sounds so simple, but... Yeah. And get as many people to see it When you've got you so much paperwork and email and, mm. you know, the whole world is so busy, it's very hard to make the focus the work, which yeah. seems ironic. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what... You know, I've worked for major companies and, you know, so much of the work is about meetings and admin and risk and uh, every, everything. Stakeholder and the, and the small part, like, you know, mm. a play only rehearses for four weeks. When I started, that used to be eight. Mm. And what's happened is that they've just there's less and less money. So now the poor actors and directors have to make a show in four weeks. It's a very stressful thing to do. Mm. It's almost impossible. And you compromise the work. That mm. way too. And a standard rehearsal used to be eight weeks. Mm. Then it became six. I remember. And now, now it's four. Mm. Yeah. So those poor artists are getting paid less, more stress, try and make theatre in a shorter time. That's right. I think it's a lot across a lot of like, it's creative sectors and non-creative sectors where... Generally, yeah. 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 The, 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 Life's the, sped up. That's right. But, but it, like, even we've had discussions at our working projects where you're going... I've got this going on. And it's almost like the, the stress about all these things that are being juggled. But at the end of the, and the time I go, oh, we're doing interesting work. <laughs> but you almost forget the work because there's so many other things, other things that go to on do. to create yeah. that thing. Mm. To underpin it, to make it happen. In your, your case, it, like all the admin and funding and... Mm. Fundraising da, 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 and, da, you But know, the, actually, at the end of the day, it's, to, the, yeah. it's actually producing good mm. art. And, yeah. and it's the audiences at, at the end of the day. And the it? digital so, world has made our jobs much easier. Like, mm. no doubt, we can achieve so much more and so can everyone. But the artists can't. They're still analogue. Like, mm. you know, a rehearsal is still completely analogue. Mm. There's no tools that make it faster, faster. or easier. No. Whereas in the office, we we can achieve, you know, or we can travel and work. Yeah, we now. never used to be able yeah. to do that. All our files are together. Our communication's amazing. 
things have really improved so we can pick up the pace but still making the work is still it's Something the same as it was time. hundreds of years ago. It's mm. still done the same time, mm. yeah. same place. You just have to make the sets and you set Yeah, to, it's, mm. still, it's still very analogue. Yeah, great. and just getting the – well, having the playtime to make the ideas work together. Yeah. <laughs> because that investment in the actual making makes so much of the difference of what the end product is. And, and the more you, risk you can take – risk takes time because you need you've failure. You've got to explore, <laughs> yeah. You've got to be able to fail. You know, next week we're spending a week in a room – with the technology, trying to make some tools for the actors to play with, mostly based around lighting, we'll try 100 things next week and probably only 10 of them will be any good. Mm. But we need that time, we need that mm. week to fail, Absolutely. to try them, to know what things works. that won't work. But if you were told, yeah, you've got, you've got half a day to do it, it's not going to no. achieve anything. No, yeah. no, no, you yeah. haven't got the time to fail, that's a really yeah. good point. Within the, you're based in South Australia and you export theatre across Australia and, and overseas... Um, wh- why are there so many good arts companies and particularly uh, arts companies aimed at young people in South Australia? <laughs> it's it's yeah. funny, isn't it? it I've it seen just, it all around. I've seen it all around the world. Like actually, the towns that are boring, a bit more boring than other towns, are where the art happens. Like yeah, okay. Pina Bausch mm. uh, works in a really shitty town in Germany called Wuppertal, which is like a really hard... There's nothing to do in Wuppertal but make art. And Adelaide, it's not... It's it's a wonderful place. I love it. But at the same time, it is a simpler... The, yeah, okay. You know, the it doesn't have all the excitement of Sydney and Melbourne. In a way, that makes being able to make art easier. And, and there yeah. was that conscious investment back 30 years ago, yeah, wasn't still there? still feeling that. Yeah, so it's still ripple effect from that, from the, Don, you know, the Come Don Out Don Festival, which is now Dream Big. Yeah, the old Don Hudson days, the Car Clue. So that this is now the second and third generations coming out. But it's interesting for us because we have three extraordinarily strong youth arts companies. And I know I've, um, I've worked with one of them for a long time. And when I go to an arts market overseas, you know, especially in the US, they love Australian work and the quality of the work. And they love especially the work that comes out of South Australia. I think nationally we're recognised as being one of the leaders for youth arts work because Mm. we are a little more, especially compared to the US, which is very conservative when it comes to work for its children, the fact that we do, we're more creative, we're a little, um, we take them, a little more risk. We do different things. We we're t- very confident. Confident in yeah. that area. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Like confident, think, yeah. In, confident yeah. in our abilities. Yeah, and you see, yeah. it's, it's very. It happens in northern European Europe, European countries as well. There's yeah. this really concentration in Sweden, Denmark, mm. Belgium, of amazing, amazing. children's theatre. Very confident, and mm. and it's a, sim- a similar feeling here that mm. we we don't. Yeah, we're not seeing. We, yeah, we really believe that we can make. We have something worthwhile to say, and you can feel that confidence in them. And we can the deliver companies. it, and and we're proud of it, and it's mm. distinctive. Mm. I think our work in Australia, and especially South Australia, is quite distinctive. And I think one confident company breeds others. Uh, yeah, you know, because mm. we all work together. It's very unusual too. In other states, there's a lot of maybe competition. Competition yeah. between the companies, whereas here. We share, we 
I'm good Supportive. friends with everyone in the other yeah. companies. I work for them. They work for me. We share resources. So the network within that arts yeah, it's very is generous. strong. And yeah. We've both worked in big people's theatre and it's not quite the same. No. There is a, a generosity of spirit and support. And, and the fact that three companies do very different things too. So we're sort of quite respectful of each other and supportive of each other's successes. Yeah. We figure we build the pie and we don't mm. have to cut it up. You know? Children's Theatre is an interesting thing where it's an adult theatre, the audience, you have a loyal audience who stay with you for years. Our audience changes every day. <laughs> yeah. There's just more coming. They just keep making more of them. <laughs> It's <laughs> quite unusual. And they've forgotten about it in a year or so. Yeah, yeah. Can, right. they can... leave us at a certain point, but the new kids come on. Yeah, yeah. it's quite unusual, whereas adult theatre has a longer yeah. loyalty of audience. Yeah. Mm. So the environment of a, an Adelaide is potentially conducive to p- producing arts, particularly like youth theatre. So it's just mm. the, that the, the, yeah, the ease strange. of navigation or the... Potentially, even the, the boringness of the, the city means that there's that kind of thing. It's just yeah, conducive. the quality of life's much higher here, and yeah. just simple things like you can do eight meetings in a day, whereas mm-hmm. in Sydney you can do two because yeah. you've got to you travel, just got to travel and yeah. getting yeah. everywhere and parking and all those things. Are, it's the physicality you know, of the. It's a bit like which why, is why it's a great festival. Festival scene, yeah, because yeah. you can walk to every venue mm-hmm. and it's a mile square and. It's why Edinburgh and Adelaide both work so mm. well as festival cities because we're of our size and mm. the city gets taken over. So I think that's why we've bred lots more festivals. Mm. But And it's the same thing for our children's theatres, I think. And you've both travelled a lot. Do you have a sense that the arts creates a certain culture or a certain mindset in South Australia? Is it, does it, is it anything that, that we gain from having... The, a focus on the arts in South Australia, or having it, or, or is it is it the same anywhere else? That it's just you have people engage and people that don't. Mm. Mm. That hard one. I don't know. Uh, and, I, and I guess I, and I'll kind of build I just just while you're thinking. I, I guess I see some leaders in the arts that might come over from different markets, and we have a, a sense of confidence that we do that well in festivals mm. and festivals and events. And then sometimes I'll have little kind of um, personal conversations, and I'll say, "We'll say that, but." Reality is, we, we don't always support our arts as much as we possibly could or should. Or um, so it's, so we have a have a view of ourselves and how good we are and how how supportive we are of the arts. But then well, our, reality might not always sort of fit. With well, that. our industry's just had a big cut, so you know yeah. we don't feel. I think sometimes we don't feel the love necessarily. We don't feel the love yeah. sometimes, and I I think there's. And maybe we need to tell our story better because we do make an, uh, we all make a difference. Um, it's it's not there's no votes in giving money to the arts. No, is the problem. Why, why do you think that? Why, why, is that because the community doesn't understand the role that the arts play? So therefore, I, the politicians can go it, take the money away. No one's going to. Look, it purely comes from the fact I think that it's fun. Yeah. Like they, it fun looks, doesn't seem to create jobs. Well, why yeah. you know why would you pay an artist because they're having a good time doing what they're doing? You know, it's like it's hard. Like some like an art an art piece. You know, when you say to someone, "Well, that's going to be five hundred dollars," they're like, "What? That's just a piece of paint on a can." You know, they can't see the hours. The, of well, they and... they can't see the value in culture. Mm. They feel because we are. We're capitalists and we think about money. Everything is valued in terms of money. And what we need to get people to understand is that there's a cultural dollar. Value. If you can make culture have a a quantum... If you could quantify a culture, 
and value it, which uh, you know people like countries like France do. They mm. they are very proud of having so much culture in their world. And in the way, a good analogy here is sport. Mm. Everyone's very passionate about sport and proud of their local sport stars, and they don't mind the money that is given to sport is extreme. And if people had the same effect, uh, if they believed in art and then were proud of it in the way they are of sport, then I believe the money would be less of an issue. And in, in other countries, like in Holland, people are very proud of the art they make and they invest in it, invest in it heavily. Mm. And there's a festival I go to called Ural. 30,000 Dutch people give up, save up their to have a holiday, to go to this festival that is just art. It's pure art festival. It's all performances and installations. And they all ride push bikes through this island and they're all talking about art in the way that we might all talk about sport. Mm. And and there's no way you're going to change that mindset in a minute, but we'll keep chinking away and get them young. It's it's an interesting, it's certainly something that's sort of close to my my heart now, our business's heart, but we interviewed Professor Professor Barry Bergen, who oh, yeah. uh, was at Adelaide Uni now, he's sort of Bond, mm. but he does a lot of um, cultural and economic impact of events mm. and um, and we work with him, so film festival and the likes there. Um, I think we all talked about sort of, yeah, the, the, there is that commitment to the culture in from those the, from the arts and festivals that just creates a nicer place well, to I live would, in there I and those benefits. A, I and, would love a politician to stand up and say our world is... Instead of saying we did 600 beds, mm. bed nights, we filled more accommodation, we gave this much more to the economy, just say it made us all richer mm. culturally. <laughs> and certainly a lot of the discussions that, or certainly the discussions that we'll have with Barry behind closed doors or sort of publicly would, would be very much about there's that cultural impact of that commitment to the arts and events over an extended period just creates a more mm. livable place to be and, and, and there's other benefits quality of life as well yeah. quality of life and mm. but on the other side is the, the it creates jobs i know i know film festivals moved over to uh, more True. about um innovation i think it is yeah. as well oh, so right. so, yeah, yeah. so it kind of goes that's about about jobs but it, but it's about the cultural impact uh, is as well I, I wonder what sometimes whether the the story the narrative of us where sort of sport talks about oh, it's about fitness and it's about probably not about why people watch sport but it kind of comes back to normalizing you could say fitness what are the arts it's about to me it's about innovation it's about creativity it's about thinking differently as you mm. said when as you're a child about keeping that alive and maybe there's those two bits i wonder sometimes whether in inside the arts there's um a sense that that government and people should just get it because it, it's just mm. It's just there. And I think that's a fair argument. Mm. But I thought also means suddenly go, well, it's because of that, but it's also we need creative thinkers and agile thinkers and innovators and people that, like there's a, uh, we're, we're quite, there's a term confirmation bias. It means that people basically look for evidence that just confirms what they already know. Mm. And it also mm. fits into the context of going, we look for arts or experiences or music or whatever that fits within a constraint of what we like. So mm. the arts potentially exposes us to, to other things. So I think there's lots of benefits in terms of how we think. And I guess that's sort of the conversation that goes. But unfortunately, it's very sad that that leaders, generally speaking, don't don't get that. And I kind of wonder where that kind of starts. Or 
Um, it's interesting because I've done a lot of international touring and work with Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. What do they do to start a dialogue with another country in a peaceful way is use cultural diplomacy. Mm. And that opens doors for if you understand someone's culture, if you understand the people, mm. it opens so many doors. And, and they've, you always use the arts for that. And, and, and it's interesting that they do value it, don't necessarily fund it, there's little bits of money mm. out of it, but they see it as absolutely crucial and key to but, dialogue between people. So but you can't talk to the electorate about it. No. Mm. So I, don't, I actually think politicians, even ones who have cut the arts, I think they believe in the arts. Mm. But I just don't think at the moment in this point in history it is, it is, you know, they don't see that they can talk to the electorate about the cultural... So the idea of taking money away, let's say giving money to the arts and in, or away from hospitals, for example, is, is that, mm. do you think that's how they're thinking very, people think very rationally about <coughs> we need jobs, not the arts? Like, yeah. Do you think I that? I think it's yeah. being, yeah, yeah. Quite, yeah. quite rational. Yeah. Yeah. And yet the money that's given to the arts, it's like... Twenty kilometres yeah. of roadworks. You know, it's a yeah. very, very small <laughs> amount of money. But it, it is an it's, it's an important conversation. Obviously, well, not obviously, but we, we do a lot of work for the government, so we don't don't want to sort of tread on any many toes. But I think it is that. I, I think it is a it's an important conversation. Going, we will. I go to enough openings and the likes that you'll you'll see mm. leaders at the openings, yeah. uh, but you, you don't necessarily. You need to actually also feel that there's that. That, that real tangible support. It's not just about going and getting free tickets and having a, mm. a nice glass of bubbles at the end is actually kind of owning. And I'd say in, we had a, 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 a lady called Fiona, Dr Fiona Kerr who's based in Adelaide, talked about France and Finland and other, other countries and how they will have a 15, 20-year mm. strategy. This is the way we are building our culture. That's economically and, and culturally and the arts. And Andre Noel Shaker from... From um, Finland, uh, they happen to be based in Finland as well. He talked about the same thing: is that commitment mm. to to building a city. It's not, a, it, mm. it, and I, I agree where you're coming from. That, that there is that changing the perception of the community. But yeah, it's, I, I think it's a really interesting one. How, think, how do you take control of? Yeah, that? and I think that conversation's dropped away. I, arts policies is never spoken of anymore. And um, used I don't to think be. we've got one. No, they haven't. Which is quite shocking, and and yet it was like in the Keating era, it was mm. front and centre. It was Sundance part of the yeah. story. Gough Whitlam obviously was, you know, it was a major part mm. of the story, and now it's not even worthy of having a policy. Mm. <laughs> mm. And we still have that. There's still a. Um, Okay, still have to go to speeches or hear people talking and referring to the Don Dunstan that was yeah. sort of um, forty plus years ago now. Yeah. So mm. um, of having that kind of bravery to kind of, to um, to to put that stamp on this. This is an important well, we part became, of our life. We, but to put us on the map, we became the festival state. Mm. Uh, you know, through that and that, we haven't really replaced that. Mm. Yeah, mm. and we're still Thanks. living off of that, which is mm. great, but. Maybe you need know, a centre oh, well. of culture or centre of <laughs> something. You're going, what, what does that actually kind of mean? Because I think we kind mm. of lose that and sort of stop stop sort of thinking that through. And and patch theatre exports. Like, so you go yep. interstate and overseas. I, I know this, yeah. overseas as well. And mm-hmm. can you explain sort of the either sort of the the travels that Patch has been on this year or the last couple of years or, or the intentions moving forward, just so people listening, because I, mean, I know some of the conversations I'll have is there's a, oh, it's a children's theatre company, it sounds, sound, that sounds cute, Jason, they're probably just in Adelaide and do a few performances to, to kids, but we, we travel across Australia and we go across, 
across the world. Can you? Yeah, well, we've just been to China for the first time and they love the work with Me and My Shadow, so they're talking to us about probably the next two or three shows we make. So uh, we've been to America, through Asia, but certainly for us, um, both of us, we see the company being – we do have a big national tour. Um, again, we usually tour nationally every year. And with the work that Jeff's going to do, we want to expand that a lot to develop relationships with major art centres and the work will be different. So there could be art galleries and museums so that we can work in sort of non-theatre spaces as well. So we see some amazing opportunities, not just in Adelaide with other institutions and working more across them so we can reach more people in different ways. Um, we see we could do that nationally and internationally. I mean, there's we want some of the work we do because it's so non-verbal. We see it as great work for Asia, uh, you know, all through Asia, not just China. It's mm. a massive market. It's mm. like untapped. Yeah. Massive and, and they react yeah. positively we to Patch's work. thousand kids in two weeks in China. Yeah, wow. Those numbers scalping tickets because yeah. it was so yeah. bad. <laughs> we couldn't get over that. That was hilarious. But, but that market is endless over there. And it's yeah. just got a middle class growing. You know, and they've got the there's money for them to pay to go to theatre. Mm. It's it's a huge thing. Have they got an appetite for the arts? Absolutely. Yes, they yes, have. Very, yeah. very, yeah. and they love um, Australian work because it's so developed, and uh, and they're just hungry for. Well, they've built all these amazing new theatres because mm. my last role was you know was working with some of the major performing arts group and getting Circus Oz overseas and they've built these amazing art centres and um, they haven't necessarily got the product or the or the people to put it put the shows on and put it together. So they're looking to places like Australia to learn how to do that as well as provide them with work. Mm-hmm. So, But we're also, um, you know, because I've got a background and we've both got a background in festivals mm. and festivals all around the world are making interactive, immersive, participatory theatre. Mm. And so. it hasn't quite hit here in the way that it has in, in Europe. Mm. So we it's see this as our opportunity, there. yeah. And we can't afford to bring those amazing companies doing that sort of work here, but we can make that sort of work ourselves. So. And we, we see it as a way for us to connect to families because I really love when a family has an experience of the art. Because we give amazing experience to the kids, but they actually don't go home and tell their parents much, or they they might talk to them about it, but not mm. not in a way that that um, I, I want the parents to see their kids having an amazing art experience. Mm. Whereas you know they come home so and go, powerful. I saw a show today. Oh yeah, how was it, darling? Yeah, great. Like I want them to actually see the effect on their children mm. that culture and art has. And so they, sharing it together because yeah. well, I think that's where we might make change when when adults see the effect that art has on their kids mm. and they and if it's a great piece of art it doesn't they will too they yeah. will enjoy mm. it as well so yeah so we've got ideas for large-scale work that we will partner with people with festivals and major art centers so that we can afford to big build some bigger things for families and you know we've both pretty good at doing a deal and bringing on partners and so we see this as a great opportunity mm. for the company to really spread its wings and do some just reach more once again reach more audience in different ways um and provide work for our artists yeah. you know yeah. it's three of our main yeah it's, we i think do. it's an interesting when, when performances like groups like patch that often it's a Introduction for adults into the, mm. into True. the arts as well, and, and and it's it's not 
it's not childish. It's actually quite like yeah. it, it's it's quite like it's a, as an adult you're watching it going yeah. you, and oh, you yeah. take something out of yourself and you go wow that was amazing it made me sort of think and I remember my husband who trained as a director and he watched a, a piece of theatre that was made for under five year olds that we'd bought from um, had come out from Scotland and he sat there with at the back with the biggest grin on his face. He said that was one of the most perfect pieces of theatre I've yeah. seen and he said it wouldn't matter what age it's for mm, no, and he right. just. Everyone in the audience just got something out of it. My, I've seen hundreds of shows over my career. My, my favourite shows are children's shows for sure. Yeah, me not, too. Not for kids' sake, for my sake, yeah. yeah. It doesn't need to be as hardcore as a three-hour no. theatre performance no. where no. you're kind of taken into... But look, hardcore is interesting because kids are up for the big questions. Yeah. I've had amazing conversations about death with kids and, like, they're so they're so open and... <laughs> Ready to tell you, have opinions yeah. about things. It's been quite and insights. That's yeah. that's the you don't need to shy away from the big questions when you work with kids. Yeah, yeah. and patch shows go for a, a right length of time sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> and they're during the day. There that's is it. that. No, that's, no, 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 that's a relief. <laughs> we, we started off with talking about you, you both as a as children. If you're thinking about young people moving forward or maybe even have you both got children or had children or I haven't yeah. I've got very children yeah. but so what, what what do you do but to, I mentor young yeah, people. So, yeah so yeah so what, what, what you, what's your advice for young people whether children or young people to have a successful life in the future uh, look it's interesting because I was fortunate enough to have people take me under their wing I just it's my turn to do that with some amazing young people in my area, administration or people, producers or people who want to, um, encourage their passion. They have to have a real passion for the work they do. I think I can't do work on anything now that I don't really get excited by and know is going to connect in a way that is going to make a difference for for people. So just bringing them along and I think giving them that balance, it, it can be a very hard life and really can, you can get drowned in the detail. But I try and inspire them to remember what the main reason you're there for. Mm. Remember that all that busy work of those duck's feet under the water, remember that it's what happens on the stage and those audiences that are watching what happens mm. and those artists that that experience that shared experience you're all going to have when things happen on stage is what you do yeah. and why you do it and, and often you need to, you need to do that hard work to make to that get happen to that point. And, and i think that so sometimes that's we, we want the outcome we don't want the hard work sometimes that, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a no, but i think it's more it's more worthwhile because it's been hard to do yeah, because okay. it takes a lot of work so that when we make our first work it's going to be hard work for us for the next six months but we are going to have such a sense of where you know it's all been worthwhile because yeah. of the the thing we hope we bring to our audiences yeah. so it'll be worth every every headache every minute yeah. every tedious yeah. detail we have to do to make it happen <coughs> climb that mountain by step by step absolutely eat that, the elephant one bite at a time that's yeah. right yeah. <laughs> and, and you yeah and, and you, you find a light lighting solution over a week not five mm. minutes go bang get it done and mm. move on so, and then yeah. you know don't see risk see opportunity yeah, yeah like, i agree so don't when you when you see when something you know you, you're trying something out and it looks like it's really going to be shit keep pushing <laughs> <laughs> because it's like every good experiment every every good bit of science and every good bit of art is from a mistake yeah like often you know what will happen i'll They'll rig all the lights 
and we turn them on for the first time and I'm very watchful of what happens because one light will have the shutters pushed in and be sliding down a wall by mistake and I'll go, that, do that. <laughs> like you've got, to, you've got to be looking for the accidents yeah. and the opportunities. Because the accidents are They're often the, the, the triumphs. They're always yeah, yeah. the magic. You're yeah. always, we're always trying to do one thing and it's something else that is the magic. Mm. So. I think yeah. I've worked with several artistic directors, both in festivals and in companies, and the ones that I find the most exciting are the ones that push the envelope, who take the risk and try things that other people haven't done. That's what excites me. And it does mean that sometimes, you know, I remember one I worked with, she said, oh, well, you realise that, you know, not everything will be successful. And I said, well, that's that means we are doing the right thing because yeah. we're trying new things and finding it out. But And we physically decide, you know, we said, well, to make the best chance of success, let's give you more time to make that work. Let's yeah. give you more playtime, which is what I want to do for Jeff when, as we progress, <coughs> um, to support that work, having yeah. its best opportunity, which in a way is risk management because yeah. we're going to make sure we have success. It's good risk management, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. But at the same time, it's if not you're not... Averse, but, yeah. Mm. But if we're Res- not... Like respecting trying. things like budgets and money and yeah. whatever, but you've still got to take risks. And, yeah. But if we work it cleverly and if we if we if we're not pushing the envelope if we're not actually trying new things then where's the innovation where's Mm. the change how are we going to bring our newest audiences that are living in a different world than we did we've got to be thinking about ways of communicating in different ways to them in Mm. their world so we've got to try so many different things it's Mm. But that's the fun bit. That's our journey. That makes yeah. us curious and yeah, yeah. and excited and yeah, I mean, stretches our brain. We're very playful all yeah. the time, like yeah. in the office. Yeah. It's, you know, it's pretty fun. It's pretty silly. Even you know, if we don't keep it on that level, we're, yeah. it's not, it's, yeah. So there's, 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 there's the things you can be silly with and there's the things that are serious. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But even the serious things pretty funny too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but we've got our feet very firmly on the ground well, we've, we've got, been around for a long time it's so pretty it's pretty nice to be at this point in your career with so many skills because we're both so multi-skilled that we don't actually need a lot of support from other staff we can manage a lot of our own things which gives us the ability to feel the confidence about all that side so that we can focus on the art mm. and absolutely the, mm. would you encourage your children to go into the arts Oh, one is already there. <laughs> How many children have you got? Oh, gee, I don't think we should tell that story. <laughs> no, we <laughs> I, I have a 24-year-old and a 14-year-old, and my 24-year-old yep. is an actor. Yeah, okay. She's in, in the Hollywood film world. So where did that Not come from? always the happiest place to be. Yeah. But where, where did that come from? Did she, did she do acting as a young oh, person? she just loved it. My partner is a, a dancer and now a producer of uh, work with for Restless Dance Theatre. And Tilly, my daughter, grew up in our world. She was immersed totally in it and just completely loved everything about our world and was in a couple of our shows. We made a beautiful show called Age I'm In, which had a 10-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 50-year-old, a 60-year-old, a 70-year-old in it. And she was the 10-year-old. And it was a really amazing show. And that was the end. But she's a beautiful, well-rounded human being she, too. So, yeah, yeah. She, but she still needs that. It's, it's still it's a tough world. It's oh, a yeah. tough world as an yeah. actor, yeah. yeah, especially in Hollywood. The roles for women and the, you know, the the way it's a machine and it's about money. Yeah. It's a, it's pretty cutthroat. Yeah, yeah. And yet, but she's yeah. doing very well, and she's 
she's amazing and yeah, she's okay, dealing with yeah. it very well but it's not my favourite bit of the arts to be in <laughs> yeah 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 she no, I, I, yeah I, I have seen some films she's been in she's done a great job yeah. I saw her in State Theatre as well now you mentioned yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, and you're 14 year old and sort of intentions he has, of he hates the arts <laughs> <laughs> with of the course his he's worst his peak worst experience that he uses as a benchmark is the Venice Biennale that we yeah. took him to so he'll go if oh, you, if really? he hated it it was three days of hell he couldn't believe what it was <laughs> And now he'll go, if I go, oh, do you want to come to this thing with me? And he goes, is it like the Venice Biennale? <laughs> and go, I go, well, it's not as good as that probably. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he goes to Herbray High School and wants to be a farmer and a chef yeah. and he wants go. to work in a whole different world. It's great. Yeah. It's confronting, go. but it's fantastic. It's good. Farming's pretty hands-on as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, it's quite creative cooking, I think. Is cooking is a beautiful, creative world. Yeah. You take risks and all the same skills. Exactly, and, yeah. That's yeah. good. All right. Any final bits of wisdom about, I don't know, the, the world or your hopes for the future or... Mm. Oh. That's a deep one, isn't it? Well, that's yeah. a deep one, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, God, I just uh, hope I will, we keep I, peaceful. Keep on ticking along, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I just love the the wonder of children if you can get to experience that every see that and be part of helping that that's a absolute joy what, yeah. what's a word of advice for adults that um, maybe stuck in a they're, they're adulting and they're not really enjoying it how do they keep a bit of child how do they alive? embrace their inner child yeah <sighs> some of them don't even know where their inner child where it is anymore mm. yeah how do you do that keep, I sp- yeah I suppose just being self-aware and realizing the moments in a film where you feel emotional are often when you're engaging with your child, your inner mm. innocent person, you know, and and I feel a bit like Pick up a I fork. don't think we're as different as we might think we are than the teenager or the mm. five-year-old. I, no. I, think, I think people think, you know, this idea of growing up. And you have I, to be a certain. I'm sure we change as we go through our lives, but. I think I'm the same person. Like I don't feel mm. like in my old man's adult body, I still feel like that is weird Like because I'm mm. still that young person. That totally I the same. Yeah. yeah. In fact, yeah, that just because we're a certain age doesn't mean we don't remember being 10 or 20 or whatever. No. That, that person is still there. And I think that's what we love about this job is that it's made us go back again and and – and, yeah, be in touch with that young person. I think about that person more now and what she felt like and mm. how how sensitive you are to the world at mm. that time and how everything, that, that first experience is just like so, mm. you know, like you're so like this nerve endings mm. around and your you're body. you're vulnerable. So vulnerable. And the bits that we love about film and art are when there's vulnerability shown and it makes, makes us, us it connects human. us to our vulnerable selves, mm. which are often the people that we started out as. So, yeah. so to some extent it's, there's a choice thing in it and mm. yeah. you don't need to grow up boring. No. <laughs> Try not to. <laughs> oh, I'm going to put that on patch somewhere. Where <laughs> Don't grow up boring. Don't grow up boring. <laughs> I, 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 I wrote a blog post a couple of months ago called, and it was referring to a couple of the uh, quotes from the uh, these interviews, that it was called Adulting and Not Growing Up Boring. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I love and that. it's, it's, I think it's anything. People who make change actually keep mm. it 
level of childlike uh, in them. I think that's a really then, critical one. Yeah. And, it's a, and it's sometimes it's hard and it's counterintuitive, but it's going, how do you maintain that? Have you seen those people who have had a brush with death, either cancer experience or something? They become less boring. Mm, you know, that's they right. choose. That's a choice to go, no, I'm going to embrace, embrace life and... And that usually involves being more childlike and mm. taking more risks and being more open the, to everyone around you. And, and vulnerable and, mm. yeah, That's all good. of that. So people can find Patch Theatre by just Googling Patch Theatre, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. But is there any other social media or anything like that you want to refer to? I'm sure we can put it in Ooh, the not yet. post. No. But, no, no, <laughs> right. Let, let's, I think, finish we'll, off. and Watch this you. space. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. That was very enjoyable. Okay. Thank you. Bye. It was Thanks. fun. Jason here to say goodbye until next time. I would love any thoughts or comments you might have on today's show. Message me via Twitter or other social media at Jason Dunstone. If you're interested in receiving our every Friday same time emails on everything human-centered, customer-focused, entrepreneurialism and thinking different, popular articles by me, the Square Holes team and special guests who have included Professor Barry Bergen and Christy Anthony, please go to squareholes.com forward slash blog to read and join our email list where you can also find more information on each episode of Real People. Please subscribe to Real People via iTunes or your favourite podcast platform. And while you're there, please leave a review. If you would like to learn more about Square Holes, the agency I founded in 2004 to conduct and publish customised exploratory research on key markets and population segments, please visit squareholes.com or via LinkedIn or other social media. Square Holes is a proud sponsor of the arts, including but not limited to the State Theatre Company of South Australia and the Adelaide Film Festival. We've been research sponsors for more than a decade for those two and we're involved in a number of other companies. If you're a business or government leader, please consider getting involved and sponsoring the arts. I've certainly gained a huge amount personally from my involvement with Patch Theatre and Square Holes' arts partnerships are some of the most rewarding relationships we've had. For example, our small role in the Adelaide Film Festival has helped or played a small part in producing 43 feature-length films, 30 short films and 13 cross-platform art and moving image projects. Uh, And it is great to uh, take our partners and, and team members along to different arts experience and just sort of to uh, to encourage our team members and our clients to to experience different cultures through the arts or think differently and even just that whole what does it take to produce a film or a play and raising money so that just the being involved in those companies has been so um, so rewarding but probably surprisingly so when we first became involved in 2008 2009 with state theater and then the film festival I encourage you to get out and explore your local arts and festivals. The arts are a critical part of any strong, creative, positive culture around the world. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Uru. Uru.